Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen, amen. Thank you, Johnny. Good to see you all today. Welcome to First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. My name is Steve Thomas. I have the privilege of Somehow being the lead pastor here, it's amazing to be with you. Thank you, John Russell. I want to let you know we're going to be, at this church we go through the Bible, and sometimes we hit passages that are a little different than others, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that's preaching, but also with preaching we're going to talk about problems. So those are the two things that are in our passage today, and I think it's important that we do cover all of the Bible and that we cover even the things that aren't that easy to understand sometimes. And so that's what we're doing today. This is Luke, this is Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Love for you to open up your Word of God. It will be on the screen, but I love for us to actually look at what God says in His Word in our own Bibles, our own device. Um, we are privileged, Julie and I, to be grandparents. How many grandparents are in the room how many wannabe grandparents are in the room? It's amazing, right? It's really great. Uh, we have our daughter and son-in-law here today. They have a glorious daughter, and she's amazing. Our, our son and daughter-in-law just left yesterday. They were here with their 14-month-old son. He's amazing as well. I taught him how to do important stuff. I taught him how to tackle this week. I thought that was really important. So I think probably every time he sees a little kid, he's going to want to knock him down, which I think is a really a positive thing for a little kid to know, right? James, you're with me on that. You know, fight, tackle, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but as grandparents, we have what? We have a limited role, right? The parents have the responsibility, and this is a great thing about being a grandparent, because the parents are the ones that actually have to make sure the kid stays alive and grows up to follow Jesus, Right? That's their role. They have to create, raise up this child to be a healthy follower of Jesus. That's what they do. But in order for them to do that, in order for them to do the main thing, there's a lot of other little stuff that has to be done. Amen? I mean, I hear there's diapers that need to be changed. There's clothes that need to be washed and put on. They somehow have to get this critter to go to sleep. I don't have to do that. I'm the grandparent. But I do get to come alongside... And I do get to do some fun stuff. And sometimes we get to relieve them while, they, while they, they take a couple days off of parenting. That's really fun as well. But you know, in parenting, raising up a child to follow Jesus is the main thing. But there's a lot of other things that have to be done. A lot of other really important things that have to be done. The same thing is true in the church. The proclamation of the Word of God is the most important thing we do. It's what we design our service around. It's what we design our church around. It's the preaching of God's Word. It's absolutely critical to everything that we do. But there's a lot of other stuff that has to be done. And if we preach well, we're going to draw people. And where there are people, there are problems sometimes. Not locally, not here, but other churches. How many have ever been in a church that has a problem? Don't raise your hand, actually. Everybody's going... So we could have a long, long discussion about that, couldn't we? I remember when this happened, and I remember when that happened, and I remember when we had to decide what carpet we're going to 
put in what color carpet we're going to put on the floor. And I remember the argument over that. And I remember, I remember back in the 70s when contemporary Christian music came into being. And I remember people deciding, is this worship music going to... I remember the arguments we had over these things. Listen, the church must proclaim the Word of God, but it also must deal with problems. It must effectively deal with the challenges that come when you gather a group of people, even into a living organism like the church. So that's what's happening today in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, as we consider the problem with preaching. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. The Word of the Lord says this. Hold on, I've got to get to the right spot. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, to us, this sounds like kind of an archaic thing. We don't really understand what's going on here. In broad terms, what's happening is there is one group that's being better cared for than another group. Now, specifically in this case, there are two groups of people in the church at this time, both Jewish, but speaking or preferring different languages. The Hellenists spoke primarily Greek. They probably spoke other languages as well. Koine Greek, common Greek, was the common language of commerce throughout the known world, especially throughout the Roman world at the time. And so that's what most people spoke. And they were called Hellenists if you spoke Greek. And the the Hellenists may not have even understood a lot of Hebrew. These people lived all over the world. If you remember um, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, the Disciples spoke in what? Different languages in order to speak to the people who were there visiting from all over the world. But then there were people who were Hebrews who lived in the same area as Jerusalem and they spoke primarily Hebrew. And so there's kind of these two groups in the church. Probably about 80-85% by some estimates were Hebrew Jews and the others were the other, the other 10 or 15% were Hellenist Jews. So there were different types of people, and they did a distribution of food and clothing to try to help the widows who had no support from their family. And what was happening is the Hebrew widows were being better taken care of than the Hellenist widows. And you can understand how this could happen, right? Because most people who have an affinity for one another were more likely to reach out and and to care for the people who are like us. And where there's a language barrier, it can be even more of a challenge to care for these other people. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we have an affinity for people who are like us, don't we? There's a sense of of being easier to care for those. And really, this problem may not have been intentional. It may not have been any kind of, of race issue. It may just have been an issue of being overlooked. And it happens sometimes in churches that we overlook people who are not like us, or people that we don't know. I remember in another church I served, um, one day we used to have, we had Bible study at one time, we had church, and then we flipped it, and when the people went to Bible study, went to church, the church went to Bible study. But the building we had Bible study in, the electricity was off that day, and it was summer in South Florida, and it was really hot. 
And so the people who would normally go to Bible study at the early hour went to church with the people who went to church that hour. And the people who normally would go to Bible study second hour were already in church. So, they were, so in the second service, all you had were people who weren't involved in a small group. And so what you had in the second service were people that were not really involved in the life of the church a lot. And I remember walking through that service and I didn't know anybody. And I was really struck by that. I thought, there are people that are in our church every day, this is another church, that I don't even see. But they're there. It's interesting, I wonder, are there people in our church that you don't see? Because we kind of walk in and we see the people we know, we go, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And we kind of Hillary Clinton it a little bit. You know, we're kind of pointing at people, I know you, you know. I'm not making a comment about Hillary, but I'm just saying. That's kind of a thing, right? We're just looking at the, hey, there's James, and there's Debbie, and over there, there's Bob, and we kind of miss people. It's a common problem in church. We kind of see who we're looking for. And that's probably what was happening here. And so a complaint arose. And again, it doesn't sound like it's a bad, you know, mean, nasty complaint. It's just, hey, this is a problem. We're not being even in caring for the different types of people in our church. And so the, the disciples said this. They said, you know, we, they summoned the disciples, probably a representation of the church, probably not all the thousands of the church, but probably a representation of the church. And they said this, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, that sounds like they're kind of being, you know, cutting to this idea that someone needs to serve the tables. And, but probably that's not what they mean. They're, they're saying, listen, there's a, this is important. We can't step away from the study and the preaching of God's Word in order to solve this problem with an inequity of service to the widows. In other words, preaching is primary. Proclaiming the Word of God is primary. This is important but it's not primary. We cannot stop what we're doing and care for this problem, which tells you a lot. It tells you the problem is not something they can just make a decision about and say, hey, you guys go serve these people. It probably was a problem that would have required a lot of meetings, discussions, conversations, texts, emails, Facebook posts, whatever they used back then, uh, carrier pigeons, however you communicated. Um, it was going to take some work. It was going to take some time. We can't solve this problem ourselves, so let's come up with a different solution. Verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So here's what they said. Listen, we've got to get some people who can be extensions of ours, who have authority who are filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out this important task of, in effect, caring for the people. See, a church really does three major things. It preaches the Word, it leads the people, and it cares for the people. The pastor has to make sure those three things happen. But primarily, he must make sure that the Word of the Lord is preached. So what they're saying is, listen, you guys, here's a plan. You guys pick some people, but for us, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they're saying is, we will devote ourselves to preparation and to preaching the Word of God. 
And that's how the church began, right? The church began with preaching the Word of God at Pentecost as the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. And the church grew through Peter's preaching ability and speaking the Word of God as people responded. And it's been true throughout church history that preaching is primary for the church to be able to grow. And for if you're new to the church, it kind of seems odd, probably. So someone stands up there and they talk for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours or however long it seems to you. Um, but we're proclaiming the Word of God. We're explaining what the Bible says and trying to apply it to your lives. And as in the early church, for this church, First Baptist Church of Delray Beach, Proclaiming the Word of God, preaching the Word is the most important thing that we do. Now let me explain why. I love D. Martin Lord-Jones, the Scottish pastor, great preacher, theologian. He says this, what is the chief end of preaching? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? What's the chief end of preaching? He says, I think it is this. It is to give men and women a sense of God and His presence. To give men and women a, a sense of who God is and His presence. Let me ask you, do you sense God's presence today, even right now? Do you sense God's presence? Because that's what we're trying to do in preaching. We're trying to pull back the veil on heaven a little bit and, and show people Jesus Christ. We're trying to separate ourselves from the world and, and focus on the spiritual world and what Jesus Christ is doing. So there are four things that really preaching must accomplish. And there's probably more, but these are, these are four really important things that preaching accomplishes. First, preaching draws people to Jesus by meeting their most urgent need. Pe preaching draws people to Jesus by meeting their most urgent need. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, we saw that and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching the Christ, that Christ is Jesus. And this idea that preaching continued and that people were drawn to him. Jesus said, if, what, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And he was speaking of himself on a cross. And in preaching, we're trying to proclaim or picture Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. We're trying to proclaim Jesus and help people understand that their need is absolutely urgent. Dr. Stephen Smith, one of my preaching mentors, said this in his book, Dying to Preach. He says, this is pastoral ministry. And that means finding the stamina to tread water while you explain to the drowning that they are indeed drowning. In preaching, we're trying to get people to understand, listen, your time is short. You may not have tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day a decision needs to be made. We don't have forever. It's amazing how we have auto insurance. We have health insurance. We have life insurance. All to make sure that we're okay in the case of calamity. But really, life insurance doesn't protect you against death. It just takes care of your loved ones when you die. Jesus provides real life insurance. He's the one that gives us eternal life. And that even if we were to pass away at this very moment, we would pass into His presence. You see, preaching draws people to Jesus by meeting their most urgent 
need. I love Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. It says, And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for Him. I love that it's appointed once. We're all going to die. None of us get out of this alive. But it's Jesus who comes to save those who eagerly are looking for Him. Secondly, preaching bridges the gap between God and people. You say, well, Steve, I can understand God's Word. I just read it or I discuss it with friends. I can just look at it myself and I can encounter God. You know what? You can to some degree. But in preaching, we are bridging the gap between what it meant then and what it means now. We're proclaiming the message of God in a very clear way, as clear as we possibly can. Tim Keller said this in his book, Preaching. He says, sound preaching arises out of two loves. Love of the Word of God and love of people. And from them both, a desire to show people God's glorious grace. It's combining those two things, a love of God's Word and a love of people. Trying to bring those two things together. That's what we're trying to do in preaching. We're trying to bridge the gap between God and people. And During the week, it's easy for us to get separated from God. During a couple of weeks when we haven't heard maybe a message and we've been away or we missed and we, it's easy for us to, for there to be some distance there. In preaching, we, we try to close that gap. To connect people to God and His Word. To bridge the gap between God and people. Third, preaching forms spiritual identity. If you grew up listening to preaching, if you grew up in church, it has formed your spiritual identity. Julie and I had the privilege to grow up in homes that took us to church, and we heard preaching all the time growing up. Matter of fact, we were talking yesterday. We're like, you know, I don't even remember who taught me that. I don't remember when I first heard that, but I began to, but all the preaching that we heard growing up formed who we are spiritually. I'm so grateful for the Baptist churches that we grew up with, grew up in. Grateful for Julie, Dr. Ted Sisk, and all that he did to raise you up. I'm, I'm grateful for Dwayne Lasseter, who was my pastor when I was a kid. I'm, I'm grateful for John Bazzano when we were in uh, getting married and um, getting to know each other, and I was trying to convince Julie to marry me. I'm grateful for his teaching. I learned so much. It changed who I was changed my very spiritual identity to align me with who Jesus is, to understand who He is and what He wants to do in my life. It literally formed my spiritual identity. When I was in sales, a lot of you probably know, I, I used to travel and I would drive a lot, and I listened to so many great sermons. People like John MacArthur, Joseph Stoll, Chuck Swindoll, just great encouragers in the Word of God. That formed who I am. And, and I would encourage you today, a lot of people, you know, we listen to podcasts a lot when you're working out. Well, if I would encourage you to listen to preaching as much or more than you listen to podcasts because there's so many great preachers out there that you can hear that can help encourage you in your life. And um, you may say, well, Steve, who should I listen to? 
and you can email me, but I have a, I have a bunch of them that I like to listen to. My favorite is Tim Keller, um, J.D. Greer, Alistair Begg. Um, there's so many great, Dr. Stephen Smith in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, Herschel York uh, in Frankfort, Kentucky. Just great sermons that you can be encouraged with during the week. It will, you'll be amazed at how it changes your week when you listen to a sermon. And if you miss, you can always hear our sermons on Facebook or on YouTube, or we have a podcast as well that, that replays the sermon. It'll form your spiritual identity. It'll, it'll change the way you think about things. I encourage you, let, your, let sermons shape your identity. Because how you are spiritual, what your spiritual foundation is, will dictate how you see the world. Fourth, preaching provides a lens that puts the claims of nations into perspective. And at a time like this in our world, it's so important for us to see accurately what's happening and to understand what's happening in our world in comparison to what Jesus is actually doing. Many of you probably watched the opening ceremonies of the Olympics the other night. Beautiful. But it was interesting to see what the message that they were trying to put forward. And they used the song by John Lennon, Imagine. It's a beautiful song. It's just horrible theology. Horrible. Imagine there's no heaven above, there's no hell below. Imagine there's no religion, there's no countries. All that we really need is to be set free from anything that would restrain us and the world will live in peace. No, we won't. Read the Lord of the Flies, amen? We don't get better without the Prince of Peace. In fact, I would argue that the only reason the world is as ordered as it is is because of the Influence of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And it's equally sad that the country that was trying to portray themselves as loving all kinds of people, in reality, has the worst human rights record in the world. and has just done an ethnic genocide and is uh, indoctrinating kids who don't get to see their parents for five years so they can learn. This is on NBC. This is not even a conservative news outlet. A country that only allows one child per couple until 2016 and now it's up to three children per couple can you imagine what happened incidentally boys were preferred so you can imagine what happened to a lot of girl babies and this is the same mindset and it's not just china it's it's around the world but it's the same mindset that just let us run your life you don't need jesus See, great preaching exposes that. And when you have that as your foundation, you see the world through the lens of the, of the Spirit and of the Word. And you understand what God is doing. And what God is doing constantly in the world is proving that we're not good. Amen? But Jesus is. And He came to die for you. And He came to die for me. And He came to give us life. Give us eternal life. We'll never have nirvana on earth, folks. But we will have Jesus. One day there will be a new heaven and new earth. One day you won't have to worry about global warming and pollution and all that sort of stuff. You can enjoy the new heaven and new earth that Jesus has produced for us. Because he said, I'm going to what? To prepare a place for you. That where I am there, you can be also. So preaching is so important. It's primary. Preaching draws people to, its, to Jesus. 
Preaching bridges the gap between God and his people. Preaching allows us to see the world in reality of what it really is. Preaching forms our spiritual foundation. But in order to protect preaching, we must deal with the problems. And so the people of the church, they pick seven people to help deal with the challenge of having a fair ministry for all. Verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, And what they said, meaning pick seven people, pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They set these before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. It's really interesting. These are seven names, and there are seven Greek names. They're Hellenists, very likely. And they were able then to understand the problem of the Hellenist widows and to make sure that they were cared for. I love that the church picked them that way. And it's interesting that they gave them this task to solve this problem, and it's not that they were just going to deal with the widows, because we'll see next week that Stephen is a powerful speaker of the Word of God. And then after that, we'll see how Philip goes to Samaria, and that is really Pentecost 2.0, and the Spirit comes to the Samaritans. And so the people that they choose are actually extensions of the apostles. They didn't see Jesus, but they were saved by him through his people. I love that picture of the church. Extending the ministry of the apostles to people that were saved through the apostles. See, that's what we do here. And our deacons... These are our extensions of the staff, and they actually help lead the church. They help solve the problems of the church. They're who we lean on and ask questions to and get encouragement from and give a hard time a lot as much as we possibly can. But let me say this. We are so blessed to have great leadership in our church. Um, I'm so grateful for um, these guys. And the, the active de- deacons right now are Johnny Russell Gary Templeton, Richard Holt, Michael Walters, and Virgil Walsworth. They've been an incredible blessing throughout COVID, i got to tell you. We would just have conversations on the phone. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? What do you think about that? Um, they're awesome. We're right now, for the next two weeks, going to be receiving deacon nominations. There are forms in the back, and if you're a member of our church, we're welcome to fill out a form that says, you know, I really think that this person meets the requirements. The requirements are listed on that form basically from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and think of the most godly men that you know. Would I like to nominate them? And those nominations then go to the deacons, and the deacons evaluate, and they bring back to the church deacons to vote on or to approve. It's an exciting process, and it's encouraging because of the men God has brought us, and the leaders. But beyond deacons, and really in the view of this church, a view of this passage, these seven guys are not necessarily deacons because they don't really do exactly what is called for in 1 Timothy 3, but they're similar. They may be forerunners. But in addition, in our church, we have, we have life group leaders who are kind of the next level. They're able to help lead our people, and they're men and women who help people understand the Bible in a conversational way. Then we have all of the other serving groups that we have, the various teams, the, the, um, the creative team, the host team, the children's team, All those teams, and we have other committees. We have personnel committee. We have finance committee. We have property and space. We have missions committee. All these are ways for us to extend the ministry to the people of the church and to give them the opportunity to be a blessing. So they call these seven guys, 
and they say, these are the guys we, we want to pray for, and they lay hands on them, and they pray for them, and they go out. And it's interesting, they don't even tell us how they solve the problem. I was kind of expecting, you know, think, well, here's what they did. They had a meeting, they had a big conference, they, they, uh, they put out, they did a Zoom call, something. You know, how did they actually do that? Honestly, they probably did it just by meeting with people and leading and solving the problem. But the apostles gave away this ministry to these people that the church recommended. And in verse 7, we see the result. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You see, this division, this problem, could have caused the church to split apart. But because they raised up leaders to handle it, the church began to grow even more. And multiply to the point that even priests responded. Now priests, you think about that word, they were the people that would serve in the temple. And there was somewhere between 2,000 and 20,000 priests at that time. It depends on who you read and what you believe, but at least thousands of, of priests. And they start to respond to the message of Jesus. And it seems like Luke is telling us that they responded after this problem was solved. Almost like when the priests saw that the leadership was not going to be just limited to the apostles, but it was going to flow out to the people that they said, that's authentic. See, when the church acts like it should act, when preaching is primary, and when problems are solved through leadership, the world takes notice. And the church grows and develops. And it doesn't mean that the church is without problems, it just means that there are people in place that want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of helping the church be what it should be. You know, today in church life, there's all kinds of challenges. Julie and I love church life. It's, the, it's what we live for. It's, our, it's the air that we breathe virtually. But there's always problems, right? And today we don't so much argue over the color of the carpet as we do over politics, race relations, COVID, vaccination, all those kinds of things. I want to encourage you today. Would you be a part of the solution? Would you be a part of the solution? And here's how. Make preaching the proclamation of the word primary. And in light of that, help others be cared for. Help others have their needs met even if they're people you don't know, and if they don't look like you, even if they're not as pretty as you, even if they're not the same color as you, even if they don't have the same vaccination status as you, the same politics as you, could you love those people anyway? Could you look at the people you normally walk by? Could you make, build a relationship with someone who is different than you? Maybe they're a different generation than you, which I think is amazing to get to know older people and younger people and to hear what God has done in their lives. Could you make, build a relationship with someone who sees the world differently than you? Maybe you're an immigrant and they're not. You see, that's how we show our love for one another a love that will affect the world around us. So two things. Yeah, preaching results in problems. Would you be a part of the solution? 
Love those who are different than you. Care for those who may be neglected. And if you have someone, a man that you would like to nominate to be a deacon, do that. Be a part of the solution. And secondly, make preaching primary in your life. It's important. Be faithful on Sunday. If you miss it, you can watch it on YouTube or on Facebook. Or you can listen to the podcast. It matters in your life because it draws people to Jesus. It bridges the gap between God and others. It builds a spiritual identity. And it gives you a lens in which to see the world. Now, some of you here may say, you know what, Steve, I've, I've never responded to this Jesus you're talking about. You know what, you're, you're the most important person here right now. That's you. Or maybe you're not really sure. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I, had a, I just don't know. I want you to know we're here to proclaim Jesus. That's what we're here for. We want you to know Jesus personally. We want you to repent of your sin and to receive the Holy Spirit into your life. To say to Jesus, you're the only way that I can be innocent. I can never pay for my sin. And I want to know this Jesus. You can receive him today. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.